0: Hey everybody and welcome to Vision Plans 101. Uh, Before we start, I want to say a quick thank you to our sponsors uh, with an unrestricted continuing education grant, MACU Health. So big shout out to MACU Health for the grant. So we will get started and I'll introduce my partner in crime here, Dr. April Jasper.
1: We're excited tonight because we get to share with you some of the things that have really changed our lives, our practice, and helped us to be profitable and still help our patients to enjoy their life in our practice. So you guys heard from us last, last uh, month, I was going to say last year, last month, uh, some of the things that we do. We just came home from the American Academy of Optometry meeting, had a great time, and uh, you can see some of the other stuff that keeps us busy. David and I are in our twenty. First year. So that means actually, we started our 22nd year of owning our own practice. And I can tell you, it has been a journey. And I wish I knew, Carl, 20 years ago, what I know today, because it would have been a whole different journey. But that's okay. That's why we're here, because we want you to know what we've learned along the way.
0: Yeah, April, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that we're really here for is to share, uh, you know, we've learned a lot more from the mistakes we've made than what we knew. Uh, so we're here really to share that. Uh, you can see all the things that I'm involved in today, but uh, really the, the background for this is 20 years of private practice, seven locations, uh, and then currently with three practices again. Uh, and really just trying to share what we know. And and the other thing that April and I will both tell you is when we share what we know and when we're here with you and, and we expect your comments in the chat and your questions later, Uh, We actually always learn more from these than we ever teach. So uh, I'm here to learn because I know you guys will have some great comments for us. And when we start, we start thinking about vision plans and we just start thinking about our practices in general. Uh, In most offices, 50% or even more of the revenue uh, comes from the optical and from the dispensary. But most of the time when we're talking with doctors, they'll say, oh, I delegate that to a staff member or I don't really get involved in the optical optical. I don't watch the frames. Uh, so as we start having that conversation uh, just, and we're going to, we're going to give you lots of, uh, so say that different. I'm going to give you lots of tough love. April's going to give you all the the niceties tonight. I'll give you a little tough love, uh, but 50% of your revenue is coming from your optical from your dispensary Uh, and it's an area that you're totally ignoring for the most part Uh, you especially can't do that with vision plans and we'll talk more about it april how much space in your office is dedicated to the to the to the optical and to the revenue
1: Uh, almost half and i definitely would have it be that in the new office we're designing i definitely want it the same way i love it that way
0: yeah and it's funny how when you when you go into retail optical locations they've got 70, 80% of their space dedicated to the optical, a small amount to the doctor's component. Whereas most of our practices, we have 70 or 80% to the doctor component and a small amount to the retail. So I think there's a balance there somewhere that we all need to think about.
1: You know, when I look at this one, Carl, it's interesting because I love on the right-hand side of the slide, we say, what is our strategy to maximize the revenue in both frames and lenses? I think that's the other thing that I really had no understanding of early on was that in a purchase in the optical, the frame and lens spend or the revenue that we get from that is just about equal. And so when you look at that, it makes you really think about what am I doing to have a strategy in both areas?
0: Yeah. And April, we talk all the time about the, the word and so we're not here yeah. to say, hey, spend all your time in the retail uh, we're we're going to talk a lot about medical both this month and in future months, uh, yeah. but the answer is actually the the revenue from the exams and medical and the revenue in the optical and from contact lens and other sales.
1: You know, we didn't give him a lot of background on how this all started with us, but I can tell you, when David and I bought the practice in two thousand two, I focused probably the first five years on the medical side of the practice, and we doubled, tripled, and then quadrupled that revenue. And saw that our optical revenue was so low, I knew I had to spend time there. And so we're not, again, like Carl said, not saying that's important. But I will take this now and look at what you see here. It's interesting because we bring patients in. Patients that come into my practice, at least, say that the reason they come in is they want to buy glasses. But many times, we don't treat them like they're buyers. We treat them as if they came in only for medical care, And then we act shy about talking about the fact that we also sell eyewear.
0: Yeah, April, most patients, you know, I always think when patients come to the office, if they're not coming in for that medical or that follow-up visit, uh, they're coming in for a reason. Uh, Quite honestly, I think they expect to have glasses or otherwise, I'm not sure that many come in just to be seen.
1: So as we get started, I told Carl, I want this slide because I'm the one that he said is, is how did you say it, Carl? I don't want to say I'm the nice one because that means you're mean, (laughs) but I am. Okay. That's
0: true. You are the nice one.
1: (laughs) But I want you to think about this this way. I want you to have a little piece of paper next to you or your phone where you can take notes. That's totally fine as well. And as we go through this, I want you to think outside the box. This is time that you spend getting CE. But in the end, I really want you to make money as well and bring value to your patients. So Carl and I want you, as you listen, begin with the end in mind, meaning you're going to go home. You're going to be more profitable when you go to the office tomorrow. And we want you to look for opportunity to where everybody on your team can add value. Now, here's some good news in case we forget to tell you later. This is recorded and you can watch it again later. And so you won't get CE the next time you watch it, but we're totally fine with you having your whole team jump in and watching watch this again next week when it's out for uh, you to watch on demand because everybody on the team has value. Look at the office that you're in through the eyes of your patients, not just your eyes. And then if you hear something today where you go, are you kidding me? I've been doing this 25 years and I didn't know that. Don't be mad at yourself. Just be committed to creating new opportunities for you and your team.
0: Yeah, and then the other thing I'll caution everybody here at the beginning of April is uh, uh, we're going to cover a lot quickly. Yeah. Uh, but this is a beginning, not the end. So this is this lecture we'll do tonight. Uh, but in a lot of the areas we're going to cover, we're going to go in detail in later lectures in future months, and all that'll be archived for you and your staff as well.
1: So we're kind of giving you the end of the book before the beginning. And I stole all this from Carl and Katie. The beauty of them having so many practices and so many employees and so much complicated stuff in their life is that they had to simplify the process and I got to take from them. And we want to give everything to you. They created a a consistent protocol. And that's so important because if we're not consistent with every patient utilizing technology and keeping our team involved, then we won't have that success we want to see in our practice. And then we want to create patient tools, and we've done that. We're going to share some with you today and continue down the road. Handouts, apps, things that we use in our practice that help us to be successful.
0: All right, yeah, Carl. The other thing we're going to do, like we try to do with all of our lectures, again, we're going to learn from you guys. Yeah. So the chat box is open. Please put your put your comments or thoughts in. Uh, share your best practices. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of things. We're not going to talk about money Uh, And and here's the other thing, Uh, you know, we're both going to be glass half full, uh, and we're going to look at the positives out of uh, vision plans and what they bring to our offices. Uh, We all have the same challenges, but managed appropriately in your practice, they can be very profitable.
1: So we've got some questions for you. So you should see a question popping up, and we sure hope you'll respond. And the question is, what is your yeah. biggest challenge, right?
0: Yeah, what's your biggest challenge in your office today? And, and we've done this question, April, what, for 15 years, unfortunately.
1: Yeah. Uh, and
0: it hasn't changed a lot. But what's your biggest challenge today? Staff, manage vision plans, not enough patients, uh, online competition. You need doctor coverage or other. There isn't something else that we're not thinking about. Uh, and if you put in other, type it in the chat box. Let us know what you're thinking about. Uh, so we can either cover it now or we can cover it after the lecture part's over.
1: Yeah, so the way this is going to work while we wait for your answers to come in, after we finish the 50-minute, 50 minute 50 minute CE portion, you'll have a chance to join the next session. The next session is not CE, so you can ask us anything you want. And there's no rules in that section because we can just talk. And so we'll carry the questions over into that as well. And we hope you'll spend some more time with us there, where we can just talk about whatever comes to mind.
0: All right. I don't How think we doing it, on answers here, April.
1: I am looking still to see. It looks like people are still chiming in. And uh, when you look at this, though, I think, Carl, it's changed for me. Believe it or not, when I first started in practice in uh, 2002 in, the, in our private practice, I really thought that our biggest challenge—we had a ton of patients—but we were taking every Every insurance known to man, and so for us that was a big challenge is was figuring out how are we going to move from where we're at today to having an, a higher revenue per patient. So what I didn't know my challenge was was moving to a higher revenue per patient. All right, I got an answer. Are you ready for it, Carl?
0: Yep. Where are we at?
1: Thirty nine percent are managed vision plans. So that's the big one. And so good thing they're on this uh, webinar and 30% are staff. That's number two. The next one is a tie between online competition and other. So I'm going to go over to the chat in a second and see if they told us what other is and then need more doctor coverage and not enough patients was the lowest at 6%. So those of you who said other, we hope you'll throw in the chat, uh, what your other is and we can talk about it in the next session.
0: Yeah, and that makes sense. I mean, for the last 10, 12, 15 years we've done this, it's always been managed vision plans and staff. I'm actually a little bit surprised that staff wasn't number one. Seems as I talked to doctors today, that's even a bigger concern than the managed vision plans.
1: We are excited to have Cooper Vision as a sponsor of our podcast. Cooper Vision is one of the world's leading contact lens manufacturers, and they serve eye care professionals and patients in over 130 countries. Their innovative products help millions of patients see every single day. One of the technologies and innovations that we love the most about CooperVision is their groundbreaking technology in soft contact lenses that helps to slow the progression of myopia in children 8 to 12 years old at the initiation of treatment.
0: So April... What are the things that we're going to talk about on uh, how to be more profitable with vision plans?
1: All right. We're going to try to get through all 10 in, in the next few minutes. And I promise you, we won't go into a lot of detail, but we also promise you, we will come back with more detail that will help you more.
0: Yeah. What I would tell everybody is there's 10 here. You can't do all of them. Uh, pick pick one tonight and sort of focus on that for the next little bit and we'll go from there. So uh, the number one thing, and, and April and I talk about this a lot, is you've got to understand the rules. Uh, so let's let's start with a question here, April. Too. Uh, so we're going to ask everybody to respond, uh, and we're going to go ahead and give you the answer while you're responding. Uh, <laughs> so, April, have you read your not not just your contract, but have you been on the Imed website and read the entire Imed? Uh, agreement, I mean, the rules of the plan. Have you done the same for VSP, for Davis, Spectera, Avesis, any, all the other vision plans that you take? Have you done it?
1: I absolutely have, but I didn't uh, my entire uh, career. I will tell you that. So it's different now. I mean, I read them today. I went back and read through everything today because the last thing I wanted was to give you guys a negative or a wrong answer. And it, it is a lot of pages, but How many pages do we read in an hour? I mean, we can get through it. Believe it or not, you could get through all of those in a day and you could get through all of them in a week if you just read them at night and you will be blown away with what you learn and go, uh oh, and I told Carl, what's interesting is I didn't know until I read uh, -read reread IMED today that they have the 2024 manual already out. So you can read it. It doesn't go into effect until January, but you can go read it and it updates you on what the changes are. And there are some changes that I think you'll want to know about.
0: Yeah, and April, you know, we we both sort of, we'll see online or we run into people at different meetings and everybody's talking about how bad the vision plans are. And, and we're certainly not here to defend them. Uh, but the the this is the first question we always ask, because with most practices, it's 60, 70% of their patients uh, have managed vision plans. Ah. And the first question we said, well, have you read the manual? You know, mm-hmm. until you read the manual and you understand where all the opportunities are, and there are a lot of opportunities, then, you know, quite honestly, uh, and this is the tough love piece, not being mean. Uh, this, is, this is the place where if you haven't read it and you don't know the rules, then you really don't know how bad or how good maybe the, the vision plans are.
1: Yeah, I tell you answers
0: there yet, April? Zane?
1: Not quite, but I'll tell you what I kind of did, Carl. Which sounds crazy, but I did. I bought my practice, and I just did whatever was done before me. And I, uh, I had, I taught a class at Academy on work-life balance. And one of the things I brought up there is the craziest thing I did. I'm not a morning person. Carl is. We're op- We're complete opposites. If he texts me and David before uh, six thirty, he will not get an answer. <laughs> So I'm not a morning person and I had patients scheduled at eight o'clock in the morning for the longest time. And all of a sudden I thought, wait a minute, I own the practice. Why am I starting my morning so early when it makes me crazy? And so we moved our morning patients to start at nine o'clock. We did that years ago and my entire life changed. It was amazing. All right, here we got some answers. You ready? The no is 75%, but Carl, this is gonna blow your mind. 25% of the people on our webinar said they have read their insurance contract and agreement within the past two years. So good for you guys.
0: Well, I mean that that's incredible. Cause April, you know, when we've done this lecture, we've asked that question for a long time too. And <laughs> typically the answer is, you know, it's it's two people in the entire room. So yep. kudos to those that have read it and and stuff's always changing. And again, we're going to look forward to the chat and what you say and what you tell us.
1: So why do we tell them here, Carl? Somebody's going to ask us, why do we tell them to print it? We already told them why they should read it, but why print it?
0: Yeah, you you always want to have that reference. And there's times that you need to show it to not only your staff, but occasionally a patient. You'll need to show it to them. Uh, but for us, uh, I guess I'm an old guy, so I like it printed uh, and I like to be able to have the reference, and I like to highlight the parts uh, that really are key parts that we can implement in the office that increase the revenue.
1: Yeah. And the other reason we always want you to do that and at least save it somewhere on your computer every year, because if you ever get audited, you don't want to be judged in three years for the rules that exist then. You want to be judged for the rules that existed at the time of the of the of the year of your audit. And did I say that right? Do you know what I mean? you want to know the rules for the time period that you printed the records for because they will be different and you won't remember so you won't even know how to defend yourself
0: so yeah and the auditor might not remember either good point they're typically ods that are just doing the audits and they may not be looking at the same rules if you suffer from dry scratchy irritated eyes the problem may actually stem from your eyelids Cleansing eyelids daily is essential for maintaining healthy eyes, which is why doctors recommend Ocusoft Lid Scrub Allergy Eyelid Cleanser. New Ocusoft Lid Scrub Allergy removes oil, pollen, and other contaminants from your eyelids to effectively reduce redness, irritation, and itching caused by seasonal allergies. These pre-moistened wipes are easy to use, on the go, or at home. Simply wipe and leave on. As the industry standard of care, ocusoft has a full line of eyelid cleansers for various conditions available through eye care professionals most retail outlets and amazon.com visit ocusoft.com for more details
1: all right so we talked earlier and already about how important it is to play by the rules we are responsible for all the claims submitted and doctors ask that a lot of me carl they want to know so if they're the owner. But they're not the one that made the mistake. Who's responsible? And what if they're the doctor that saw the patient and they're not the owner? How does that work?
0: Yeah, it's it's you as the owner are always going to be responsible. So remember, you're going to be re- responsible for the claims uh, that your office files. So that means all of your staff, uh, and then also yeah. your associate doctors. Remember, it's your tax ID number that uh, it's being filed under. So really, it's all going to come back to you now obviously there are some stop gaps in there to relieve some of the liability uh, but you know the reality is you want to be responsible or I do I'm yeah. a control freak uh, i want to be responsible uh, i want to know what's going on in the office uh, and we monitor it on a regular basis so we do know what's going on uh, and it's a good opportunity yep. and a good time to train
1: yeah i think the other thing too i saw when we put this together it says do not ma- make sure your team are not changing codes And you might think that that would make no sense at all. Why would anybody change a code? But it happens. They don't know the purpose of you doing things the way you do. And sometimes you don't get all that training done. So it's really important that they understand these are the rules of the game. This is why you do it the way I've had it uh, set to do it. And make sure you're checking checks and balances to make certain it's being done right. Because ultimately, we're responsible for everything our associate doctors do as well. So train them. Don't educate them. It's better for them to know. All right. We like this question because it helps us to know where you guys are. So what percent of your patients are on managed vision care plans? And hopefully I gave you the categories right. I think so. And you might not know for sure, but give it a guess. And I think I told them already, Carl, when we bought our practice uh, 23 years ago, it was over 70%. And now in our practice, we are at About 35%, so we're in that three category, and we kind of changed it on purpose, but sometimes it happens because you want it to, sometimes it just does.
0: Yeah, I think, April, your practice is a little bit unique. I think you've been very intentional in your practice on how you've changed it and you're in a market that can do that. If you look uh, just at the numbers and at the average, uh, there's, what, 330 million people in the U.S., about 245 of them have some sort of a managed vision plan. You layer on top of that the federal plans, uh, you know, included in that is the 93 million uh, that have Medicare or Medicaid and the CHIP program. Uh, so, you know, I think most offices, I'm going to be really surprised uh, if it's not skewed to number four and five here of well over 50 and, and a fair number over 70% uh, with managed vision plans. So. Be interesting to see what this result comes back, or do do we have a, you know a group of outliers here tonight that have <laughs> read their manual and have done a little bit more of what you've done than than what's really going on out there?
1: All right, here's the answer. So, thirty nine percent are at fifty one to seventy percent managed vision care. Over seventy percent is twenty four percent of our audience thirty one to fifty percent is twenty four percent of our audience. Zero to ten is six percent and eleven to thirty is six percent. So the biggest group is thirty nine percent at number four.
0: Yeah, and then total if I, if my math was right, between four and five, uh sixty percent of the audience is over fifty percent. Yes so, un- understandable why they're here and why this topic's important to them.
1: So what I wanted to do originally, as Carl switches the slide, I at, at the beginning, I really wanted to remember, and I didn't, to have you guys think about as we go along where you can increase your revenue every time we go. So be watching. I promise we're getting there. We're just kind of setting the stage for why you want to be in that space. But the first thing we want to make sure everybody understands is there's a lot of places you'll find that you truly are making mistakes. One of those is in how you bill for medically necessary contacts. And the good news is all the rules are right there on the website. They're right there in the manual. And I like printing it as well, because then I can give it to my team that is doing a lot of that billing, show them exactly what to do, highlight it, go over it with them a few times. And then I like to randomly check those EOBs when they come back to make sure that we're getting paid correctly. That way you make certain that those uh, VDT measurements, that different, uh, both IMED and VSP will pay for those. Those are the special measurements you take when you fit them in a digital lens. Medically necessary contacts, make sure your pricing strategy is set right. We'll talk about that a little bit. And then be very consistent with vision versus medical. Carl and I are gonna talk about that later. And all patients treated equally, what that means. And the way I interpret that in my practice is, Be consistent in the way you sell so that every single time and even fitting contact lenses. So every single time a patient comes in, they're offered the same opportunity for the best products.
0: Yeah. And April, that's where those protocols are going to come in. We're not going to talk a lot protocols tonight, but uh, a strategy for your practice having set protocols uh, and it makes it easy on staff. Uh, It makes it easy on associate doctors. If you have multiple doctors if you have a consistent way that you do everything in your office. Uh, And then we're gonna talk about non-covered services. Uh, And I'll I'll just tell you, our view on vision plans is, uh, we we look at vision plans a lot of ways as as marketing. Uh, We accept that discounted rate. It's really not insurance. It's a discounted fee for service that we've agreed to accept, Uh, but we spend zero on marketing. So we're able to capture patients, have them in the office, And then once they're in the office, whether we're profitable really depends on us, our staff, and our processes and protocols to be profitable. Macu Health with Micromicell, the only supplement with the exclusive patent on all three macular carotenoids and Micromicell technology.
1: All right. So processes that we put in place, one of them is just making certain that we uh, look at our lab bills to be to make sure that we've received all of our discounts that we should have and warranty on any job that should be that should have a warranty. And I'm going to show you a process that we use to do that. We also look at our frame bills to make sure we got the right discounts on those. And then we want to make certain, as I said before, that our EOBs come back correct. I want to know that when we're submitting our claims, we're getting paid for everything, the right amount, and we're getting paid for the right products and services. So that's something to watch. I know, Carl, you guys have had stories over the past of insurance plans not necessarily paying correctly.
0: Yeah, all, all of these things, and especially now, it's all computer generated and you have a discussion, whether it's your lab bill or your frame bill or your other bills or the way your EOBs get claimed. Once it's keyed in and once that process is going, if you're not really checking what your contract is versus what you're getting paid, then a lot of times there's a, there's there's inaccuracies in it. So uh, it's always good to go back and take a look at those. And we had one of those for a number of years. One of the insurers was only paying us for one eye uh, on on one of the charges that we had. And, you know, fortunately we caught it, but it went on for a fairly significant amount of time. We've had uh, times when uh, on the, the the difference between the invoices and the statements wasn't reconciling back on different bills. So yeah. all those processes are uh, certainly important. So let's so talk April, about,
1: yeah, non-covered yeah. services.
0: Let's talk about some of the non-covered services and how you do that in your office.
1: Well, one of the ones I love the most are nutraceuticals. And if you look at the value, the dollar amount, when you sell an annual supply of even just one vitamin, we'll talk about that at the end. It can be as much as $300 a year in revenue. And I'll never forget a patient that came in. She had had LASIK and her vision was great, but she comes in for her annual exam. She's very faithful. And in the old days, I'd have a patient like that come in. And I had doctors tell me in the past, I know this is shocking, but they would tell me, hey, if you have a patient like that, that never buys anything, don't pre-appoint them. Well, guess what? We pre-appoint everybody. I love it. And here's the deal. When she came in, we had we went through everything with her. She bought dry eye products. She bought accessories. She had sunglasses. She bought her vitamins for the year. And her revenue, the revenue per patient for her that day was over $700. And so the way I think about it is everything you can sell in your practice that your patients are going to want, I want to have to some extent. Obviously, there are some things that you're going to sell very little of and don't waste your time maybe. But that's up to you. I really think of our vision plans as marketing that brings patients in my door. And now what what is it that I'm going to do for them and have available for them that they're going to buy somewhere anyway? And readers, Carl, does anybody buy readers anymore?
0: Yeah, I think you know, you take nutraceuticals. So if I was going to pick one off the list, I would say (laughs) readers. And and we had it on there, but readers slash sunglasses. I mean, that's what patients are already coming in to buy. Uh, and you know re- the re- readers are over a billion dollar industry. Sunglasses is is a huge industry. Uh, so put and we can talk in and later about some protocols that we've both used uh, to be able, especially with contact lenses, uh, to get patients to buy sunglasses. There's a statistic that's around that basically says within uh, within um, within one week of a new contact lens fit, uh, new contact lens wears eighty-seven percent of them buy sunglasses. Yeah. So if if we're not selling them to them, somebody else is. So how do you package and put that together? We'll talk about that in some future presentations as well. And then April, uh, I know yeah. you guys do a great job on multiple pairs. Talk to us about how you do it.
1: It has gotten better over the years because we have continued to learn what to do. And I think that the one of the things that I was weak at before. I didn't have enough of any brand to really represent the brand. So I think that's really important. If you look at those frame boards over there, maybe the wood color is getting old, but I still think it's a pretty picture. That's my office as we built it in 2012. And uh, it's about to not be our office anymore. We have to move. But still, when you look at those frame boards, you count the frames. I feel like it's really important in the way we have them organized is we'll have a brand At the top, another brand at the bottom. You could do them by rows as well, but I would say at least have two rows. Otherwise, I mean, patients come in asking for brands from us all the time, and when they do, they want to have enough. When they don't come in asking for brands, then it doesn't matter. But if you want to sell multiple pairs, you want to have enough to represent the brand, you want to start with the best and sell multiple products as well. Like Carl said, sunglasses, computer glasses, and I'll show you a form here in a few minutes that we use to help us do that.
0: Yeah, and we'll talk about that in the future, too, a little bit more ongoing, uh, deeper and wider with a smaller number of frames and then the same in your contact lens space. Uh, There's lots of reasons to do that that we'll cover sometime later in a practice management presentation. April, I think you use this as one of the the processes on, on how to get those multiples. We do. Yeah.
1: And we added two more questions. One of them is uh, regarding, uh, I think it's headaches. I think we added one in on headaches to help us with uh, spelling, selling specialty lenses. But we continue to adapt and specialty treatments have changed. Every time we have new health and beauty items, we add them to the list. So this has changed. But here's the, the big, big deal about this. On the left where you see one through six patients answer those questions for me. And then when they come in, I make a massive issue, big deal about talking to them about those things. So they come in and I say, oh, wow, I see that you're a librarian and uh, I love that you love to be out in the sun and you do this, you know, whatever their hobbies are. They spend six hours a week. They told me on the computer and they have two monitors and they suffer from glare at night and they can't stand. They have to take out their contacts at three o'clock. All right so right there you sold contacts and three pairs of glasses because there's nobody that can use a progressive lens when they have monitors side by side and and when you walk through it like that with patients it makes all the sense in the world you're not selling anything you're the first one that bothered to tell them what they could do to make it better so over on the back side of the form which is what you see on the right i have all four types of glasses contacts health and beauty products and we circle something for everyone and, and everybody. And this keeps us consistent, too, Carl, because I do this. My associate doctor does this. And ideally, she and I would have the same revenue per patient if we're both consistent and doing the same thing with our patients.
0: Yep, absolutely.
1: And this is what we use when we actually go out into the optical to work with patients. I fill out all those blanks on the form. Then they go out into the optical, and we try to make it simple by just saying, let's pick the lens type material treatment, and then we go from there. It's a fast process. We have a matching uh, form that we use that they are going to fill out to send to send home with them if they don't purchase, and it just makes it so it's not selling.
0: Yeah, it's, it, it, and I think that's the, the big difference is we just have to educate our patients, uh, and if we educate all of them the same, let them make the choices uh, then you know, take care of the patient, and the, the practice will yeah. take care of itself. And I know that's what you do. Yeah. And and then one of the other ones is is we do we offer a retinal screening, you know, for all patients that come in, uh, at a fee. We charge a fee for that. Uh, you know, in our in our largest office, we see about five hundred and fifty to six hundred uh, new or uh, patients exams in a month. Uh, so you know, if you convert even as low as fifty percent of those. Uh, at that dollar amount, at that revenue. And I've seen people charge anywhere from 29 to to 49 for this. We're somewhere pretty close to the middle. Uh, And so, you know, if you do that revenue every month, you certainly pay for the screening. Uh, And then the other thing, it's good patient care. Uh, Patient here with optic nerve head drusen that was picked up. Um, And and it's also a tool then to educate patients, uh, whether you're converting to medical or just on the health of their eyes, and it's a lot of times, uh, again, something that doctors have not taken the time to show them the picture, to talk through uh, with them, and provide just a little bit of patient education on why they should be coming to your office on an annual basis. April, this is really uh, your category the premium lenses yeah. and add ons. Uh, and we could spend an hour talking about this topic, and, and I think we're going to. Uh, in the next few months. Uh, Between lenses and frames, huge, huge opportunity.
1: We'll give you just a a few tips, I guess. And yeah, we don't wanna take too much time, but I think the one thing that I would say is be careful where you price your products. I've heard doctors say over and over that usual and customary doesn't matter when you take vision plans because all you get paid is what the insurance pays you. And that's not true because many of the plans, you get paid a percentage and it's a percentage of your retail. And even if it isn't on your first pair, it absolutely is on your second pair. The other thing many people do wrong is they give a massive second pair savings outside of what their insurance plan requires. And if their usual and customary isn't high enough, they just gave everything away. You're just selling glasses now for the heck of it. And it's a waste of your time. And so I would be really careful with that. I didn't realize for the longest time that that second pair savings, profitability Absolutely depended on your usual and customary fee. I showed you the selling guide that helps you to know how to easily walk through products in your practice with your patients so that your patients don't feel like you're upselling. And then the ordering guide that we have, and we'll show you those in upcoming uh, webinars. That's how we put together, if we are going to sell this category lens to a patient, what lens do we then actually order That's going to be the best for the patient and the most profitable for the practice. And be consistent. We don't need to have 500 lenses that we're ordering when we go to place those orders. We talked about watching the EOBs and then important to compare that savings statement that the insurance gives you with your fee slip to make sure that you didn't make any mistakes. And I've also heard doctors, Carl, say that if they make mistakes, they never go back to the patient for the money. And I would say, well, if I make a mistake in their favor, I'm going to go back and give them the money back. As long as I find the mistake that I've made that's in my favor, I'm going to do the same thing as long as I find it in a decent amount of time. What really stinks there is if you go back to them three weeks later and say, hey, I messed this all up, you owe me money. And I'm still not saying you can't. That's up to you guys. It's just a little bit more difficult if you find it three weeks away instead of today or tomorrow. You've seen this already. Again, it just make it fun, make it easy, and it makes it easier to sell the products that patients want. Make it easy for them to understand.
0: And, I think and, you put again, this There's together. a lot we could cover there with uh, yeah. uh and and I think you know people do a decent job of that understanding. And, and we'll get into categories at some point in the future as well. Uh, yeah. But I think the place that people are the most confused about uh, is is the frame component. Uh, let's, so let's talk about it. Let's talk about the frames a little bit. So, but base question, and and again, this is a topic uh, that that we'll probably spend anywhere from forty five minutes to an hour in the future, just going through uh, and really breaking down how to how to. Quite honestly, the the profit is made on frames. It's a little bit like real estate. You make the profit when you buy them, uh, not when you sell. them. Uh, And and the two components are how you buy the frames, what price you're paying for the frames, uh, and then also how you're pricing the frames. And so retail pricing strategy, as April talked about, is huge. Uh, So the question is pretty simple. Do you understand the difference uh, between wholesale frame allowance and retail frame allowance? Uh, And especially with the, 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 the managed vision plans, uh, it's critical that you understand this basic concept, uh, and and it's like a lot of things in life is is it doesn't make any sense uh, because actually the more you pay for frames, the more profitable you're going to be. Uh, and I know that sounds uh you know sounds insane, uh, but we'll we'll talk you through it briefly tonight, and then in a future episode we're going to spend an entire episode on lenses and frames and and how to. Uh, both buy and and decide on your product mix, your retail pricing strategy, and then what to do. So April, this is your topic. Do we have answers yet?
1: Not yet, but I will tell, oh, we do. Here we go. 78% say yes, they understand the difference between wholesale and retail frame allowance, and 21% say no. So we're still gonna talk about it the same. Those of you who know the difference, that's awesome. Now let's just all be on the same page with what we do with that understanding.
0: Yeah, right. I think that's a good point, April, is understanding the difference and then how you implement into your practice. There's a big, big leap there. And, and I see some of the people that are on tonight. And, and there's some folks on here that are doing a great job that uh, that actually yeah. could probably teach this as well or better than we can. So They probably
1: have taught us. <laughs>
0: they probably have. I probably, probably took this from some of them. So what
1: I love about this is, and I say it all the time, I've had doctors come up to come up to me and say, Hey, I've heard what you said. I understand now what to do, but for some reason, my team keeps selling the wrong frames. And I would just say, then don't have them on the board any more than I would have the wrong contact lenses. I mean, there's a lot of everything you could have in your office, but choose to have what is most, what's going to make you most profitable and that your patients are going to love the most.
0: Yeah, and that and that's going to come down to your overall strategy for your practice. Yeah. Uh, and then as far as what you want your practice to be, and there's lots of ways to be successful. And then, as we said earlier, going wider and deeper with a smaller number of frame lines.
1: So I think that when you go to buy frames, the one thing it's important to do is to make sure you work with your vendors. I don't mean this to be in any way negative towards anybody out there that is a vendor. But many of the times, they don't understand these rules. I would say 99% of the time, they'll tell you they've been doing this for 20 years. But once you explain the rules to them, they'll be shocked that they never had anyone tell them before. I don't know that they're purposely trying to do anything to to cause you trouble. They just don't understand. We're going to tell you right now, watch out for those low wholesale frames, because those are the ones you're going to not make any money on. You may not lose. Although I would say you lose because you lose in the opportunity that you had to make money on another kind. Educate on your frame board reordering. So when your vendors come in, they know in my practice that we don't want anything in our practice that's under an X amount of dollars wholesale frame allowance. Otherwise I make no money and we remind them every time they come in. And then on the frame board reordering, we make sure that they understand that's what we want to reorder and not anything different which frames work better for different plans. You have to look to see, do I like the luxury lines, designer or the high profitability, high profit frames best? And we're going to walk through some of that with you.
0: Yeah. And it really, it really comes down to, you know, your most profitable are going to be your high end luxury frames uh, and what we call your high profit uh, frames. And there's very few of those out there. The reality is there's very few of those high profit uh, frames Uh, And then the third category that that we we carry that everybody really, I think, needs to carry are just those uh, brand names that people come in asking for uh, that you have to have. They may not be the most profitable, but they do drive patients in. And those patients also tend to have uh, disposable income. And they're the patients that you can do glasses and contacts, or you can do other things. So April for the 21%. And as a reminder for the rest of us, Let's talk about wholesale frame allowance. So talk us through this, uh, this slide here.
1: And this matters most with VSP, of course. So when you print out of a, a, a authorization, you can see in one more click, I think Carl's gonna bring up a red box around what is WFA. So basically what that means is that is the patient's allowance if the wholesale frame allowance is that amount. So in our practice, if it were that 65, then we would make sure our frame reps know we don't want anything that in frame facts is a WFA, wholesale frame allowance of 65 or less. Now, of course, I gotta be careful. You are required by insurance plans to have a certain number of frames that are within the amount that's covered by the insurance. So read both, well, both because I take two vision plans, but read all of the manuals for all of your vision plans to make sure you're fulfilling that contract And those are the frames that Carl and I would say, you want to make sure you buy those with a great profit margin, because that money that you're going to make on those is all going to be in how you bought them, not in how you sell them, if all you get is what the insurance pays. What you don't want to have when you have those that are under 65, in this case, based on this, you don't want to have the one that you paid 55, and it's listed in Frame facts as a WFA of 55 because then all you make is what the insurance gives you, which is covering that cost plus your dispensing fee. So you lose money. Just kick those all out of the office, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, anything that's a brand name that patients are going to come in and ask for, all of those frames. And this, and this, this is what sounds crazy to everybody is, hey, on these, don't buy the $45 frames buy the $70 frames, it, yep. and it sounds crazy. So you gotta buy the $70 frames, you gotta price them appropriately for your retail sales, is the only way you'll make money on the frames. Buying the 45, $50 frames, if your wholesale frame allowance for the majority of your patients is $65, then as April said, you're, you're, basically, um, you're basically not making any money at all in your optical. Uh, on the frame yeah. component of that. Uh, and typically, if you're if you're doing that, then there's a lot of other things that that we can help you with and being profitable.
1: So again, how do you do this? Uh, how do you how do you sell more of the luxury ones, especially? You want to have enough to create excitement buy above WFA. That's our our frame rules. Have point of purchase materials that help to get people excited about it and consider your profit margin, as you see here, if you do stay under WFA for those required numbers. And then we definitely recommend I get no uh, there's no other competition. Let me say it this way. There's no competition for the one thing out there that gives you the uh, way to be able to calculate the frame uh, WFA So frames data is the only source out there that tells you that. You can have an electronic version. It actually links with your insurance plans and you can have the print version. But that's the way you can be certain that you're actually typing the right number into your uh, office management or practice management system so you charge your patients the right amount as well.
0: All right, April, let's look uh, at a couple of other things on your process here. Yep, so
1: again, have enough to sell, merchandising, Uh, The frame tray. So if you click to the next one, Carl, I think it shows them the frame tray. And here it shows you a little bit of merchandising. You don't have to do it our way. We actually change our windows up all the time. This is just one of the ways we did it in the past. Next one, I think shows the frame trays. Do
0: you you pay for that advertising there from from the company?
1: No, we do not. So even if what we do is we can use a marketing budget, they give you marketing money. You can use that, but we never pay to have them made. We never pay to put them up. And once you start using companies to do such things, they will compete for your window space.
0: All right. Super. We use a frame trace.
1: Yeah, so if you remember the form, and I think I'll show it to you at some point, we might show it again. I don't think so, actually. It had four different pairs of glasses. And this one on the left, a good friend of ours, Dr. Maza, put that one together. We uh, showed a lot of folks this one on the right that doesn't have the names on it. You can go with no name. You can also put the names and print it on the tray. But the idea is that as a patient is looking in your optical for glasses, you're going to walk around with a tray. Because you're expecting them to buy four pairs, not one pair. And that's the concept here is set that expectation to improve not only luxury frame sales, but multiple pairs. It's been amazing. What a game changer.
0: All right, April, let's jump in and talk. uh, And we've got a lot more about the frame piece that we could cover. And again, we'll do that in in the future and talk some more specifics. Uh, But another big area that you can increase profitability is with subspecialty care. Um, And, you know, we talked about this a little bit last month as well. Uh, It's a great time to be an optometrist. Uh, The demand is huge. Uh, The disease states for the elderly patients are going up, but also the recognition uh, of of needing subspecialty care or being able, uh, the services being in such demand that if you want to carve out your own unique subspecialty type practice or specialty type practice, uh, you certainly can. Uh, pediatrics, the need there is huge. Uh, there, there's not enough pediatric ophthalmologists. A lot of optometrists in their practice have made the strategic decision not to see children. Uh, and then there's a huge underserved population. So, you know, if, if your heart's there and, and this is practice, this is uh, from our office and we actually see a, a fairly significant uh, uh, special needs population uh, in kids, and it's it's very rewarding. Uh, it may not be the most profitable, but at the same time, when you take care of those kids, uh, there's a stickiness uh, to those patients and to their families, uh, also to other patients that see it. And, and the other benefit staff. Uh, when, when you're doing that and they feel like they're really providing a service and helping, uh, there's a stickiness to the staff as well. Obviously, medical optometry Specialty contact lenses, and, and there I think specifically, if you're thinking about ortho K or myopia control, uh, or scleral lenses or other specialty type lenses, huge demand for that. Uh, dry eye, vision therapy, uh, and probably several others. April that we're not even not even talking about low vision mm-hmm. uh, and others, neuro, neuro rehab, TBI. So lots of areas where people where ODs are doing it. Uh, And where it's an opportunity, if that's your passion, I would encourage you to follow it.
1: Well, we made it all the way to six so far. We're at premium contact lenses. And this is another passion of mine, because as we uh, talk through this, those of you who know me know that the other way we built our practice. So it I don't know that it was planned, Carl, but it just kind of happened this way. We bought the practice. We went into medical, bought a bunch of technology. We had an R O C T, We had cameras, visual fields, everything you could buy medically. Then we ran to the optical and said, what do we need to do to be more profitable there? and then i really started to focus more on contact lenses so as we jump into this next category we have a question for you do you have a different do you have different levels of contact lens fees let me say that say that again do you have different levels of contact lens fees
0: yeah and so april i think you're going to go into a whole discussion here about standard contact lens fitting versus uh Premium and whether you divide that by toric and multifocal and then uh, other more advanced uh, lenses uh, and how the the vision plans reimburse for those uh, and then a topic I know you want to jump into as well is going to be the uh, the annual uh, contact lens quote refit or evaluation yeah so as people are putting in I'll, I'll be interested to see what they are. But uh, why don't you go ahead and talk to us a little bit about the different, the way, just, you know, just talk to us about how you do it in your office.
1: So I think that sometimes we uh, do things again the way somebody did it before us and not knowing because this isn't something you're taught. I didn't. And uh, in the past, we would charge one fee for a contact lens evaluation. And then strangely enough, one patient would take Five minutes, and another patient would take twenty minutes. and I started to realize this made no sense. Did more research and found the insurance actually pays you or allows you to charge your patients based on the the tier of contact lens uh, evaluation. And so if it's a toric lens, if it's a multifocal lens, whatever that level is that you've created in your practice, you should have a different fee in my opinion. And it should be commensurate with the time, the energy, the education, the knowledge it takes for you to do the the work you're doing. And because the insurance companies include follow-up visits, it should include the number of visits maybe that you think it's going to require in addition. All right. So let's see what you guys say. 85% of you also have different levels of contact lens fees. 14% do not. So the 14% that don't, we just made you a bunch of money. And this is why, because you can have those different tiers. And if you're worried about changing what you haven't done in the past, it's okay. The first year, those patients come back, the return patients. It might be a little different for you to walk through, but we can help you with that too, having that conversation. After the first year of going through that, it'll all be easy. Here's the different levels. Remember, tiers, higher level is a higher charge. And I look at contacts uh, as a marketing a marketing strategy as well
0: yeah, it's it's definitely a patient retention uh, strategy because it's really clear. And that goes to what's your overall contact lens strategy. And yeah, again, we'll we'll do a full hour that we'll talk about this and how to limit the brand you've got and and what lenses to fit uh, and how to stagger that those fitting fees., uh, but everything that April is telling you uh, is, you know, it's not uh, what Carl and April, you know got together at the academy and made up last week. <laughs> Uh, Everything she's telling you, and I think all this verbiage, April, is straight out of the uh, IMED manual. VSP has uh, similar verbiage on exactly what you can do, how you can charge. Uh, So that bottom point on there in particular, April, I think is pretty important.
1: And that one means basically if you take a patient where your strategy is that for anybody with 0.75 or more of astigmatism, they should be in a toric lens because now the lenses are so good, the patients are going to see so much better. Okay. So I start down that path. And then for one reason or another, the patient ends up in a spherical lens. The rules state that you still should be charging a premium fit because you did premium work. And so it doesn't matter where you land. It matters where you start. As long, again, as you're consistent, which is something we said at the very beginning of this entire talk, just be consistent every single time and you'll win with your patients trusting you and you being more profitable in the end.
0: Yeah, and April, the contact lens data is so clear on the the number of patients that could be in a multifocal that are not, the number of patients that could be in a toric lens or not. So, again, you know, in my mind, if you don't offer... Uh, those products to patients, you're doing them a little bit of a disservice. Uh, doesn't mean that they're going to buy it, but I think it's our, our job to provide solutions and to offer the opportunities to all of our patients.
1: Standard fit you can see is just, uh, what you see here, but basically the, it does not include, that's the bottom uh, statement here. It does not include extended wear. So if you're putting a patient in a spherical lens, but it's extended wear, that would qualify as a premium fit. And the reason this matters is because it's a big difference in money. So if you mess this up or, oops, you just didn't know, go back and change the way you do it. Read the contract and you'll see the difference. And it'll make you, I mean, I'm keeping track for you of the money you're going to make based on changing these habits. And it's significant. Here's some other rules. You can look at these.
0: Yeah, and all all the follow-up service. And again, this is straight out of the manual. So we're back to, you know, number one, know the manual and read it. Yeah. Uh, but I think that bottom one down there requires more than two. If it if a patient requires more than two follow-up visits, uh, not not including INR, uh, you may charge them. Now the key word there is may. Doesn't mean you have to. Uh, the mm-hmm. only thing I would say is if you're if you're going to charge, again, be consistent uh, with the policy in your office for your sanity, for your staff's sanity, and for your associate doctor's sanity. Uh, retail pricing strategy, and we covered this a little bit. Uh, So, you know, we'll just ask the question. We've already given the answer Uh, before tonight. I guess the question is, do you think that, did you you think that retail pricing matters with vision plans? Uh, And the unequivocal answer here is uh, retail pricing strategy doesn't, it's not that it matters. Uh, Retail pricing strategy is critical on how you charge Uh, For everything you do, contact, I mean, your base exam, your contact lens fittings fees, uh, your additional services, your non covered services, and your frame and lenses. Uh, As April said, a lot of the charges are based on percentages. It's not a straight line number that patients pay. So, retail pricing strategy is key. This is the time in the live audience, if somebody's here, that somebody raises their hand and says, hey, uh, Carl, you're just out, you're bilking patients, you're just trying to make a lot of money, you're taking advantage of them. Uh, And and my answer to that is always, absolutely not. Uh, I think I am charging a fair price for a value exam materials that we're providing. Uh, And I think in today's world, as much as ever, uh, you've got to do that in order to be profitable and to stay in business and to take care of patients and just as critical today and as number two on things that we worry about is you've got to be profitable enough to pay your staff to be there and help take care of those patients and (laughs) to stay and not leave your practice so look nobody wants to take advantage of patients uh, but at the same time it's perfectly acceptable to run a profitable practice and make a profit. April, I can tell you are dying to jump in. What you got?
1: I am, but I'll tell you, 89% said that yes, retail price matters. So we're doing a great job, Carl. But you know, I I have to laugh because there was a time, well, we go up on our exam fees every year. And I remember one year, uh, one of my employees said, uh, "What what do I say to somebody when they come in? And I tell them the price has gone up. And I said, well, first of all, you don't have to tell them the price went up. Do you see them coming out of the gas station every time you pull into pump gas and run to your car and say, I'm so sorry, the price went up this year or this week or this day. Uh, you, that's not the way you do it. And And I wasn't being rough or rude. I was just trying to help them understand there is a right way and a wrong way to do something. And yes, our prices have to go up because holy cow, I'm paying a whole lot more to my team and I'm glad they deserve it. But I got to pay my bills, too. All right, let's. We're
0: going to run out of time, Carl. So What did you mean over the years? I like it.
1: (laughs) No, I bring value. All right. So we told you what wholesale frame allowances. Before we end this session, I really want you to understand this whole frame piece. So let's skip to the next one if we can, Carl.
0: Yeah. And and this is going to tie together two of the things we talked about. This is going to tie together your wholesale frame allowance, what frames you should buy, what price point you should be paying for those frames, and how that matches with your retail pricing. And this is critical to profitability on your frame. So April, I'm going to let you do the math and I'm just going to sit and grade you. So it's on you.
1: All right, so let's do the math and we're going to try to end maybe like one minute behind. Just let me get through these slides and we'll continue the conversation when you guys, when we end, just join back into the next one. All right, wholesale frame value, if it's greater Then the wholesale frame allowance, remember the WFA on the patient's EOB? Then the patient will pay the retail price of the frame minus retail retail price of the frame minus the retail allowance times 80%. VSP will pay the wholesale allowance plus the dispensing fee, and your profit is what the patient pays plus what VSP pays minus your cost. Okay, so now we switch to the next one, and this is if the wholesale value of the frame is less than. If it's less than, guess what? Patient pays zero. VSP pays the same. Wholesale value of the frame plus the dispensing fee profit. Your profit is what VSP pays minus the cost. So here's where you see you can make a big fat zero or, well, you'll get your dispensing fee. You make your dispensing fee or you make your dispensing fee plus. And that's the difference in understanding retail. And wholesale frame allowance and wholesale frame
0: pricing. So April, let me let me understand that VSP is always just going to pay the wholesale frame price.
1: Yes, and the dispensing
0: fee. Okay. And so, and I'm sorry, I'm going to take the time to do this because it's important to everybody out there. Okay. So in this example here, and your wholesale frame allowance is greater than sixty is sixty five dollars. And the frame you've got costs more than 60 or in the frame facts for more than $65. Yes. If your retail price on that frame is $200 and the allowance from VSP on that one that we had was $150. Means okay. That that's $50 that the patient's going to pay 80% of $50 or they're going to pay $40. Yes. Okay, so this is where retail pricing that is important. Because if you had that same frame priced at $250, the patient would pay $80 instead of $40. So that's a $40 difference to your profit based on how you had the frame priced. And I'm not saying that you should be that much over. We'll talk about markups and all those things at a different time. That's just to give you an example that retail pricing matters when it comes to the way that you get paid for frames. And then we'll talk at another time about uh, if you're less than, and again, you do have to have, I think it's 100 frames in IMED, maybe the same in VSP. Uh, You've gotta have a certain number of frames that are less than the wholesale allowance. Yes. Uh, But, you know, if you do that appropriately and, and your staff's trained, patients are gonna choose you know, a correct frame or a high profit frame.